From Under the Rock Studios in Los Angeles, California, this is The Strange Chameleon Show, a podcast with style, soul, and sarcasm, along with laughter, love, and listen. Follow them now on iTunes. I promise you won't, I, I, I mean you will, be entertained. Welcome to the Strange Chameleon Show. We're here in Phoenix, Arizona, and we have a very special guest, Pastor Dana Coverstone. He drove all the way from... Brooksville, Kentucky to Phoenix mm-hmm. in just two days to move a daughter out here for a job. I know that it has been a few past um, okay, exhausting days. <laughs> yeah, you could say that. Tire, yeah. Tiresome day, so we want to really thank you for uh, being able to come here and just uh, share yeah. this this moment here with you. It's, um, I'm honored to do it. Honored thank you so it. much. It's very, very important. Of course, you've been making the headlines lately because of the dream that you had um, a few, few months ago. Now, the video was posted how long ago? June 24th. June 24th. Yeah, June and 24th. what was the date of the first time that, or around the first time? First dream that I had was December 15th, um, and that's when I saw the march through June on the calendar. Uh, got to see all those events happen, the pandemic, the, the, the respirators, the ventilators, the, the hospital situations that were pretty bad. Got to see looting, got to see buildings being burned, got to see a lot of fear. Um, and then back in June 22nd, I had another, yeah, June 22nd, I had the second dream. And it was like a continuation of the first, which I saw, um, I saw June, and then flipped to July, August, September, finger underlined September and tapped it three times. And then I saw October flip and November flip. And then November, finger underlined the word November and then a fist hit it. And that's when uh, things went kind of crazy <coughs> in the nation. Uh, the next night was the 23rd. I spoke to the guys that I prayed with every Tuesday night, shared the dream with them, and they were very well aware that the first dream I had, they saw those things happen. I told them, guys, between March and June of next year, 2020, it's going to be really, really hard. I told the guys on the 23rd of June, had a second dream, and they're like, you need to post this, pray about it. So we prayed, prayed about it, and then I had the dream that night about the coin shortage. So I just put them all together and put the video out the next morning. 15-minute, uh, nine-second video to 1,100 friends on Facebook, and it literally had no intention other than to share with my friends on Facebook what I saw, what I sensed. I sensed great evil coming to the country. I saw great calamity. I saw great turmoil. I saw I saw great difficulty coming not just to the church but to the country as a whole. And so, as a pastor, the pastor's heart, I shared that on Facebook, and. Uh, I pastor a church of 80 people in the middle of a county with less than 8,000 people. Uh, there's about 1,400 people in Brooksville. And uh, I'm a nobody. I'm just a pastor. And for that, that dream to go as far as it did, it had to be the sovereign hand of God because mm-hmm. there is no way that that it should go that far unless God has something to do with it was behind it. And mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a pastor. Uh, a lot of folks want to call me a prophet, and I I'm not comfortable with that that declaration. Yeah. Watchmen, and even then, I'm still struggling there to find because 
God showed me some things that were going to come, mm-hmm. and I'm not I'm not trying to make anybody afraid or scared. I'm just trying to warn the world of what I've seen. Yeah, and it's been seen by millions of people now. Uh, I, I'm getting thousands of emails, phone calls, text messages from people who are saying this resonated with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just got a message today from someone who came back to the Lord because uh, they said, "I saw your dream." This is like yesterday. Saw the dream yesterday. Well, I'm driving. They're watching this dream, mm-hmm. and then found my email address and just emailed to say, "Because of that dream, I've got my life back with the Lord now, and I want to keep going forward." So, I'm grateful for things like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, it resonated with a whole lot of people all over the world, and especially here in America. Yes, and you know it's very interesting um, the way God chose you here in America to start this wave of uh, of this dream that you had, a very prophetic dream, and several others have come forward, and you were just sharing with me. Um, before we started recording this, that other uh, members of church have had dreams from all you know different races, different backgrounds, have had dreams similar to yours in a sense, but definitely of something big coming and um, just things happening, um, supernatural things, right. and um, you know God chose you as the man to kind of um, open the gateway of, of these warnings and messages. And, of course, there's a verse in the Bible that talks about um, in the end of days, he will pour his spirit among his, his children, and yeah. they will prophesy, etc. Um, but we def- I feel like there is meaning behind um, you being chosen to spread this message, especially here in America, and, and your message has been heard around the world. Mm-hmm. But can you tell us uh, a little bit about your background? Um, I got saved when I was 15. I went to a Bible college in Springfield, Missouri, Central Bible College, and it's almost a God college. I was on my way to seminary when uh, the pastor at my home church called place where I got saved and you know baptized and called to preach and they said hey our youth pastor has had a moral failure would you come and so I went spent 10 years there uh, the next church that I went to it, it experienced a lot of the same type of issues in their past um, the church I'm at now I've been there almost 10 years been 10 years in October but I followed a moral failure but what I mean by that is when a pastor has had has gotten involved physically mentally sexually or emotionally with somebody he shouldn't have gotten involved with so every place I've been in, in almost 30 years of ministry, I have followed a moral failure. So when I get to the church, <clears throat> the there's a lot of pain, a lot of agony. Uh, a lot of the people have left. The finances have gone with them. There's a mistrust in the community. Um, and I've done my best to be uh, to spend the time there. You pastor at one church for 10 years. Uh, been almost 10 years in Brooksville. was in Terre Haute for almost nine. Uh, so I've just done my best to be faithful to help get those churches back on their feet. Uh, keep the doors open, and uh, and to share hope and, and the gospel with those people, you know. And so that's really been my, my background. I've been married for 26 years to my wife, Jennifer. I've got three adult kids. Um, just mm-hmm. I, I've just done my best to be the, the servant that God's called me to be as a pastor. Yeah. And I've gone to some hard places, and uh, never regretted it, never. And there were times it was tough and difficult and frustrating, but the Lord's been faithful to me and my family to see those things through. And I, 
got a lot of pastor friends whose kids just have walked away from the Lord because of churches that they went to. And I'm so grateful that the places I have been, they've always loved my family, loved me, uh, supported us, encouraged us. And uh, that's kind of just where I've been, you know. Mm-hmm. That's really good. In other words, you've just been a regular guy, just trying to live for God, just trying to do the right thing, a family man, just dedicating yourself um, as a family man and um, trying to serve the Lord. Um, yeah, it's, you know, very, I think that uh, a lot of the times when people expect someone to share a message that you just shared, they kind of expect them to be, um, I don't know, maybe famous or, or, you know what I mean? Or maybe they expect them to to have some type of uh, ulterior motive because there are some comments in the video that I have uh, watched you uh, share your message that, oh, well, maybe he wants something or, or maybe uh, let's look up uh, if he needs money or something, which, you know, I think that um, you're always going to have cynical people like that, non-believers. Right. Um, but you're you're not asking for anything. You're just sharing a message yeah. that you were chosen to have, and you felt compelled to share this with with everyone. I've been a Christian long enough that I know what the voice of God sounds like to me. And for people that are watching, that are that are thinking, well, how do you hear the voice of God? There's that still small voice that you recognize. And since I was 15, I had men that I would pray with who who taught me how to pray, who taught me how to listen, who taught me what the Word said. Um, I've been mentored by a lot of pastors and men who are strong Christians. Uh, I've, I've been around people who know how to pray, I know how to listen. And and I know when I had, after having those dreams, I had that unction. And one person said, well, you know, if you had to, after that first dream, you should have said something. It was what I saw happen in that first dream come to pass that struck me so hard when I had the second dream. Uh, I, I woke up from that second dream. My, my Fitbit said that I had a heart rate of like 180. I was I was up. I couldn't sleep. I was up on my feet. I was thinking. I was taking my phone and making audio notes. And I keep a notebook by my bed because I've, I've had dreams before, but nothing of this, this magnitude. Yeah. And so I uh, was writing things down, was thinking things through, and, and reflecting over it, playing it back in my head several times, not knowing exactly what I had seen, but knowing the first dream had come true, I thought, okay, what do I do with this? What do I do with this? I began to really pray. And I probably spent several hours just up pacing, praying, went to the church. I live in a parsonage right next to the church, so I went over there and prayed, walked pace, and uh, felt this unction, just this this intense, almost like a requirement I had to say something about this. And so then I'm trying to figure out, okay, well, how do I do this, and what do I say, and, and what do I share, and and prayed with the guys that, that, that Tuesday night and they were very encouraging me you know the first one is everything you told us what happened we've seen that happen so you just share that share that so they prayed for wisdom and how I did it for wisdom and what, what format I use and I had the third that third ring about the coin shorts that night got the next morning um, I sat down in my office with my phone and just there it was and it wasn't I had no script I had no uh, no notes at that time I just, I just share what I felt because there was an absolute intense, and that word unction is probably not familiar with a lot of folks, but there was an intensity. There was this, I've got to get this out, I've got to share this voice in my head. 
uh, that I could not get away from. And I knew if I don't do this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna carry something from it for not, for not, for not doing it, for being disobedient. Yeah. And so I put it out there, and you know, I realized after I did it, a little bit more of okay, well, I, I, there's some risk there because I said I saw these things happening, I saw this and that going on, I saw these things with the White House and the senators and stuff. But I knew what I'd seen in the first stream. And I remember the headlines, and and, and the guys would come to me, join uh, your before church, and say, "Did you see the news today? Did you see this?" I get text messages, "Hey, did you read the headlines? You know, in the Atlanta newspaper, whatever. You know, pandemic. It's there, Pastor. You saw this. You said it was coming." And and so I had that encouragement from those guys, but also just the burden of what if I don't say something? What if, you know, Lord, you show me the first stream and these things happen? And there was no, there was there was no thing like I had to get this out there with that one. Yeah, but it was a confirmation of what we'd seen when I had the second one. It was just like, okay, I woke up knowing I've got to do. I'm responsible for what I know. I'm responsible for what I saw, and if I don't say something about this, this is going to come back on me spiritually. It's going to come back on you know whether judgment or just mm-hmm. it, it would be sin to me if I did not do this. Mm-hmm. And so I knew I had to. And so I put it out there, and 15 minutes and nine seconds later, when I hit that phone and posted it, it took it took probably about 15 minutes. Our internet where, where I live is just really just slow and poor, but nonetheless, it probably took about a half hour to load. And I remember thinking, I hope some of my friends watch this. Yeah. Because <laughs> that was, the, once again, the heart was, I'm a pastor, and I saw something, and if these things happen, I want my family and my friends to be ready, because, man, if this stuff, if this stuff happens... Um, People aren't ready for it. And mm-hmm. if it does happen, it's going to change the whole way America looks, lives, who we are as a nation. It's going to impact mm-hmm. every single American on the planet and the country. And not just our country, but you know, we are, we are a leader for a reason because for so long this nation was built, was built and based on faith. John Quincy Adams, the president, made the statement that the Constitution is for those people who are moral and religious. And we no longer have those moral religious people who no longer need a constitution. And, and and I've had more of that thought going through my mind as we watch the chaos in our world, you know. Mm-hmm. But I felt I can say I felt I felt the heart of God was for me to share this. And so I did. And uh, and I had to do it no matter what the consequences were for me personally or for my family. Or I, I, there's been a lot of criticism, a lot of crazy <laughs> a lot mm-hmm. of crazy things out there said about me. Mm-hmm. Um by people who have never met me or talked to me, but uh, that was my heart. I'm a pastor that saw something. I got to get it out there. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I mean, I mean, obviously Jesus went through all of that, you know, where he had to speak the truth. He was speaking, and people, you know, threw rocks at him, did all this stuff, and he knew that he would get all this backlash. He knew all that ahead of time, you know, knowing that I'm gonna deal with all of this uh, but I have to speak the truth I have to say that and so it's kind of like he's sharing that with you in a sense of like I know you're going to get all this backlash and people are going to do this but you have to speak the truth you have to say what's going to ha- what's happening because it's warning my children it's tell you know if you don't it's like you're kind of holding back of some deep truth and but uh, in- interesting I have 
dreams too sometimes, um, but nothing like what you've dealt with. Um, and some of them I forget when I wake up. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, but to actually have, I never experienced what you experienced of having a dream that eats you up that like I have to say something because if I don't, it's, you know, it's, you know, the unknown. <laughs> so that's amazing. I know that um, just early this morning, earlier this morning, we were going through a little bit of a, of a battle because um, he was trying to um, speak some truth to a friend of his. And, it, you know, it's with people that aren't really understanding, um, they're very confused because of the <clears throat> political narratives and, and, and the news that has um, garnered a type of... Um, uh, followers with who are just kind of like fans you know and they're fans of just um hysteria they they just kind of want to believe what they want to believe and not really open their eyes to the truth and um it was affecting him so it was affecting me mm-hmm. and i i took a moment to myself like i was trying to have a moment with god like mm-hmm. you know, god how did you do it? I mean, we're here stressing about something small compared to what he went through. You, you know, can you imagine right. trying to talk to people and he was the only begotten son of God and he knew the truth. He knew exactly what would happen if you didn't accept the Lord as your as your savior, etc. And he just you know, it's like, "How did you do it?" And I felt I heard this voice, "Pray for them." That's it. There's no need to stress out. Yes, simple as that. And and that's exactly what he did. You know, even on his last moments here on earth, um, forgive him, Father, for they do not know what mm-hmm. they do. Yeah. And it's just that simple. Just pray for them, those that, that don't want to open their eyes, that maybe they don't know how to, those people that need to see something to believe it. Um, and, and that's the whole, you know, it, it's it, by default, um, you, you got to walk by faith. Yeah. I mean, if I find it so silly when people have to see it to believe, oh, I need evidence that there is a God. Well, do you really believe if there truly is, right? If there truly is this beautiful place, this heavenly place, this eternal paradise, mm-hmm where nothing bad ever happens, do you really believe it's going to be easy? Hmm. Right. <laughs> Ask yeah. yourselves this. This is what I don't understand, right? I mean, pe- people think that it's, oh, well, I, if it exists, I, I would see it. I would see some proof. But it's like, well, because it does exist, it's going to hide from you for now. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, that's the reward that you get. Right. Like you were telling me, um, it, uh, early on about um, it is uh, during persecution and things that you go into spiritual battle here on earth and then at the end that's the reward um, yeah. a little bit like that you know, right now the, we're doing church in Babylon in all reality um, Romans 1 we're seeing the impact of, of that chapter of Paul's epistle to the Romans in more powerful ways than ever before we've seen the Supreme Court change the definition of marriage. Uh, we've seen the definition of identity changed. Uh, no longer is it just male and female on driver's licenses and things like that. We have people that are actually uh, 
looking at you know changing who they are, and not just surgically, but just emotionally, mentally. Um, we're seeing politically some incredible things that make no sense. We're seeing demands, just little demands, um, by a lot of folks who have never voted, never really have enough life experience to see uh, the reason why some things are the, are the way they are, what the foundational truths we have as a, as a country. Um, and, and because of that, it also it, it finds its way into the church, and that's why the church in one sense has become so silent and quiet. We haven't had persecution. The Chinese church has been praying for decades that the American church would, would suffer persecution. Why? Because we have become lukewarm, we've become cold, uh, we don't take things seriously, and for some reason we've got this idea that we're exempt from persecution because well, we, we, we support missions, we, 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 we send the gospel from our nation all across the world, you know, and we, we help, we do this, we do that, we send missionaries, we do projects, whatever. Uh, you know, a lot of hospitals in some foreign countries were built by missionaries and Christians. Uh, I have a book called what, what Has Christianity Ever Done For Us? And you start thinking about the medical, the educational systems, the things that that were, were, were put into place by believers and Christians who wanted education to be a strong point. You know, uh, Princeton, Yale, Harvard, what were all those colleges? They all started off as seminaries, Bible colleges, to train and prepare ministers. Um, and yet, have come so far from that. And so if we're going to regain any of, um, of the influence that we need to have, we've got to be out there in the watching world um, among all the evil that there is and being Christ, being light, being salt. And part of the reason I think the dreams came was to wake up the church right now to where we are in culture. Things are shifting. Things are, are you know, I asked you this earlier, if you ask most Americans, is there something wrong in America right now, they're going to say, yes, absolutely. Because they see the chaos, they see the protests, the riots, mm -hmm. uh, they see... The, and, and, and when you start hearing governors and leaders say that they, they support the people who are burning down buildings and they're rioting, and you think, how can you be an effective leader as a, in, a government, in an elected office and say it's okay, or that burning a building is, is collateral damage, but it gets people's attention. Once we get to that place, we're not functioning as a society or a culture. We are in absolute anarchy and chaos. Yeah. Yeah. And no society, can you name one society that's ever made it past that moment? Mm -hmm. If that is all that's unleashed. And so the church has a moment right now to number one, get its life right with the Lord. And that means to, to address the sin issues and, and the pride issues uh, that we have among ourselves. That means that we, that we just get on our knees and say, okay, God, expose our hearts and, and the corruption that's there. Help us to be more and more Christ-like. Um, because the, the world out there still looks at the church and says, ah, oh, there's hypocrites. Well, that's based on our attitude, our character, our behavior, our speech in their world. They're watching us. And when Jesus said, by the fruits you know them, he basically told the world, you've got the right to judge my people. And if we really think about that, that, sh that should scare us. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul makes a statement. He says, the things you've seen me do, you can do. The things you've heard me say, you can say. That, to me, is the absolute most terrifying verse in Scripture. Because Paul says, if I've said it, you can say it. If I've done it, you can do it. And how many of us, or pastors or, or whoever, how many of us could say that about everything we've said or done today? You know, I've had a very, very stressful day. It was a couple of days moving some things and moving mm -hmm. a daughter here and, and trying to get some things transitioned. 
And after spending 14 hours in a U-Haul, I've had some opportunities to not be very Christ-like at all to my family and everything else. And I have to think, okay, Lord, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm so human. I need your help. I need your strength. Yeah. But the world, the world needs to know what we're doing. And we need to be living it righteously and true. We, we, need to be, we need to be the peace. When we walk into the room, there should be a whole different presence in that place because of our attitude, our character, the words we use. Now, even the jokes we tell, the things that we're involved with, they should all reflect on who Christ is in our lives. Mm-hmm. And so we, we have a lot of people that sit in our churches, but they've never made Christ Lord. He's just been, well, check, okay, went to church. I checked that off. I did my good deed for the day. I yeah. checked that off. And, and the things that are coming, I believe, in the church world, if, if a person's devotional life is based on three paragraphs and a verse you read every day in that little paper, you know, the little document mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. if that's the full, the, the full gamut of your spiritual life, those people are in trouble. Because the things that are coming to the church that I've seen in dreams and that others and thousands of people have said that it resonates with them because they've been hearing, sensing, and feeling, seeing the same things. And the church is not ready. The church is not ready for the things that are coming. And I believe God's trying to wake people up and say, get ready because I don't know if it starts in September. Because we're seeing the residue of all the way back to Mar- to, to May. And uh, you know, you, you you know, it all started in Minneapolis with the George Floyd death, but those things have kept coming, and mm-hmm. all summer long, you know, Seattle, Portland, you saw waves of protests. You saw waves of, and I don't want to be political about it, but we've seen waves of protests in different communities, led by different groups and different people, all calling now for the defunding of police. You know, the the striking down of a lot of the constitutional things that we hold dear. Um, Those things will impact the church. Those things will impact what we as Christians believe and do and can say. Um, And persecution will come against what we believe for, what we stand for, and the things that we cherish and the things that we love, like family uh, and the definition of family. And and some of the things that we're seeing out there right now are going to bring a lot of fear to people who have never really walked with the Lord and, and I've had emails sent to me, even this morning. Mm. A guy said, I wasn't following the Lord at all, but I saw your dream. And this is like yesterday. So while I'm driving to Phoenix, he's actually you know watching the dream. And he said, I saw that dream and it broke me. And I went to my knees and I, got, I, I, got, I rededicated my life to Christ. Because if these things are happening like you said they're going to happen, i, I got to get ready for it, you know. And so I'm, I'm thankful for that response. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm grateful that people are getting their lives right. But and I'm hoping, and I'm hearing from pastors and churches saying we're starting to do more prayer time. We're starting to focus more on what we need to do, um, and not just the preparation stuff, but the spiritual stuff. Because the most important thing the church can do right now is get itself right with the Lord, and get back on, get back, get back to walking with Him succinctly and specifically. Uh, Confessing our sin, dealing with with the sinful issues, uh, not just accepting everything because somebody in government said, said this is the way and we mm-hmm. walk with it. Mm-hmm. But we need to we need to live it. We need if we're going to say we believe this is the word of God, then we have to accept all of it as the word of God, mm-hmm. and and carry it like a torch, hold it up high, and walk with it, not be ashamed or afraid. So. If anything, I think the message of the dreams was to wake the church up, to get us ready for his return, but also to warn us that there's some there's some things coming down the pike before he comes 
that we're going to have to deal with. We're going to have to suffer. You know, Peter said judgment begins in the house of God. He also said that we've been called to suffer with Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the message nobody wants to hear, you know. Yeah. Uh, a lot of a lot of a lot of people. Said, I don't watch a lot of the, the comments about me online. My my wife did that one night and she cried for a couple hours. And oh. So I was like, no, do it, don't yeah. do it anymore. But one there night my son showed me one, and the guy said, you know, the reason he's wrong, the reason Pastor Dan is wrong is because he's saying what nobody else is saying. And I thought, <laughs> you're missing the point. <laughs> you're missing the whole point. Jeremiah said what nobody else was saying. Yeah. And those things happen. And mm-hmm. and I've been reading I've been reading through the book of Ezra, Nehemiah, and Lamentations. And when I read Lamentations, I realize that Jeremiah had to write that book, that letter, basically, to say, why didn't you listen? Why didn't you, you know? Because mm-hmm. the prophets that were prophesying then and saying all the good things and this and that, they never said judgment's coming. And yet the principle of Scripture, the prophets, is this, that, yes, judgment's going to come because of this, this, and this. There's an if-then basis. But in every one of the prophets, there was always that promise, if you return to me, if you return to me. And this is the church's "if you return to me" message. Mm-hmm. If you return to me, you're still going to have hope. You're still going to have love. You're still going to have me. There's going to be some hard times that come. But if you return to me now, we can see a whole lot more people saved and and find Christ because we're going to have turned from our ways that aren't as Christ-like as they need to be or should be. And and the world will, will definitely take note of that. They will see the hypocrisy is being addressed and dealt with and that we're trying to be as Christ-like as we can. Sorry, I need a moment because oh, oh. <laughs> you're, it's, it's uh, very, very powerful, um, the things that you say, because um, they're the truth. And um, I, I do want to go back a little bit when it comes to the coin shortage that you mentioned. Um, what do you take of the coin shortage? Is there uh, some type of subliminal meaning behind it? Or what exactly did you see in the dream? Or what do you think it indicates? Well, I would ask the question, how, how, uh, how much faith do you have in the American dollar at the moment? Zero. <laughs> how much faith do you have in currency as a whole? Um, it's no longer backed by gold. Exactly. Many, we left the gold years. standard 72, Richard Nixon took us off of that. <clears throat> you see other countries right now wanting to change uh, and get away from, from the dollar as the standard. And we know uh, there's a biblical, a biblical uh, revelatory situation coming where there's going to be a one-world government, one-world currency, right. which makes sense. In all reality, I mean, it makes sense if you, to, to do things. But it also means that government has a whole lot more control over your money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I stayed at a hotel last night. Uh, we had to buy food on the way. I can choose which restaurant to go to, you know. Um, I had cash for a little bit, paid for some things in cash, uh, paid for something with a debit credit card. But eventually, the dollar is going to die, I think. And if you ask most Americans, is there, how's the dollar feel to you? Uh, if you've seen since COVID, we've had restaurants that have had major shutdowns. We've seen, and they're, they're talking about, and this is Wall Street Journal, 40% of all restaurants have been shutting down. Uh, people are very concerned yesterday, yesterday was Friday, about the ending of the $600 extra per, per week or per month of the uh, stimulus package. Mm-hmm. Talking, there's arguments in Congress right now about a second stimulus package. So we're printing money, printing money, printing money. How many states have enough unemployment funds to take care of everybody filing for unemployment? 
so there's this funnel of all these things that are happening and yeah you see the stock market is is shaking in some spots you see uh, a lot of insider trading by elected officials who made a lot of money when before COVID hit and that's that's common things out there so there's going to be an eventual shutdown and I'm, I'm actually hearing from people now around the country from at least four or five st- five states at least who have said hey we're seeing shortages of ones and fives a talk show host from from arizona mm-hmm. said recently on one of his talk shows you know he went to the bank to get hundred dollars and five or ones and they said we we don't have a whole lot of them and we give you half of that so those things are starting to happen um the food stores are stocked pretty good out here, mm-hmm. but at Walmart in Missouri or in Kentucky where we live, uh, two pounds of ground chuckle cost eighteen dollars and sixty four cents. How do I know that? Because I bought some last week before we came. Jeez. You know, you got seventeen processing plants that are shut down. Uh, you know, we had a toilet paper shortage. We saw all these things that are going on, and how long can the government just keep printing money and pumping it out there? Uh, with nobody working. Well, supposedly they have trillions of dollars that they can just... Have. How does all this money just come from thin air anyways and how they can able to reprint? The Federal Reserve has... Uh, I, um, I can't even say the word. They have so much money just stored in there, you know? So it's like they're, they're counterfeiting all these dollars and... So it's like, how can there just be a shortage like that when the Federal Reserve has so much money that they can just easily reprint or whatever, coin shortage? I think it's just a big front for, I mean, uh, I'm not big front. I know it's it's truth, but how can it, it just be shortage? We have so much stored in over there. What, what, how is it just being gone now? Is this like... Yeah, I, mean, I think the idea, they're kind of not telling all the, the, the truth here. The idea is, well, the restaurants and bars have been closed, and not enough money being sent left for tips and things like yeah. that. But where did it suddenly go? If it wasn't being spent, then and people have it. But the whole idea that you know inflation is here, we're seeing those things right. in a lot of different areas. I do want to add one thing to that. Um, the other day I was reading an article, and it had to do with the coin shortage. Now... They, I thought they did a very good job in how they highlighted certain events from um, decades ago, for example, right before the Great Depression. Mm. Right now, well, uh, during that time, before the Great Depression, they were asking people to turn in their gold right. certificates. So they did that, and then when the crash happened, they were completely vulnerable. And had nothing... That was valuable. And now they're asking us to turn in our coins and our dimes. And, you know, if you give us $15 worth of coins or change, we'll give you 25 in return, something like that. And I find that so odd because I, it's almost like they are setting us up for there to be a coin shortage. And then, oh. Leave us vulnerable again. We don't have any ones, we don't, there's not much money. Um, It just seems very artificial to me. And we're not the only ones that are gonna be a part of all that plan because 
you know, nations sort of talked about different ways of doing currency, and that would be a one world. There's, there's been a push for the one world government for a long time. Yeah. And we know the Antichrist will push for that too, because if you have the same monetary standard of currency everywhere, how much fluctuation would you get with other markets? Everything across the world, you know, from China, from Shanghai, Beijing to uh, Paris, Rome, Chicago, you know, you're all going to have one set thing. So suddenly you've got a, a way to control every market, uh, every inflation, everything is controlled because there's one common currency. And, and, and whether the dream had a lot to do with that or not, it, to me it was significant. Because I put the dream up on Wednesday, and by Friday, the first picture I got was from someone in Miami, who, who I'd known from where I live in Brooksville. Sent a picture of a drive through at McDonald's in Miami Beach, and it said, please have correct change, or have this coin, there's a coin shortage, mm -hmm. and either use your debit or credit card or have correct change. Mm -hmm. And sent that to me on Friday. Well, by Monday, I had... 500 pictures from people all around all around Jeez. America you know as far away as Hawaii Alaska uh, just all these pictures were coming in it was like okay something's going on with this and, and I, so there's definitely a financial thing happening and anybody that's got major major faith in the American dollar they're either an elected official who knows something mm -hmm. or uh, someone in the government who knows something well, I know that uh, they're, they were mentioning how they wanted to cut back the $600 a week. I personally, my job requires me to literally call businesses and make sure that they are complying with certain um, policies. And I have heard from many, many managers, well... I'm trying to call them back. You see, the thing is, I've called my workers back, but they don't want to come back because they just want to cash their extra $600 a week. You know, I mean, that's obviously why. Why wouldn't you want your job back? And I feel like, you know, maybe it's those bad people that may ruin it for someone else. I don't know. It, who needs the unemployment. Right, who really happens. needs it. But there's definitely been, um, you know, $600 a week. It can be very enticing for a lot of people who may not make that much right. every week. For me, I, uh, they gave me an opportunity. Well, they didn't. They didn't even mention this. But they, <laughs> they were to say it wasn't an option about being furloughed. Uh, but it was just say, hey, you can either quit um, or uh, continue working, you know. Um, but... Uh, all of a sudden, one of the guys kind of just called HR, and I was like, you know, I heard about this furlough, and how come this wasn't an option? And he took it, and now he's banking on, you know, making like two grand in the month, yeah. and uh, and all this, and it's just like, okay. But I had the option to do that, and I was like, but I, I enjoy working. I like to work, <laughs> and um, I don't mind doing that. So I, I passed on it, and I was like, you know what? I don't. Why go for the greed? Of, of that when I don't need to. There's an opportunity. Okay. They didn't lay me off. I'm still working. So I'd rather work and and make an honest dollar than right. just say, oh, yeah, let me go for the money. And then I, I'm, I'm glad I didn't do that because what if they just cut off at that point, you know? And then oh, that yeah. would have been my... Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. That would be it. And, and I, I, I used, I got a part-time job at the hospital. I took a pay cut as a pastor back in the early part of the year. Mm -hmm. And I got a part-time job at the hospital uh, to make up that money. And 
was never offered anything else, you know, on top of that. But because mm-hmm. I wanted to work and do the right things. But I know folks who who could just what they're doing and unemployment and and their hope, their hope was well that extra money. Well, I can I can bank that. I can I can pay on bills. I can do this or that. But yet, even at that, that was probably one of the biggest mistakes I think that our government's ever made because mm-hmm. what did it do to the workforce? Mm-hmm. What did it do to folks? It basically said you can stay home and do nothing and get paid for it. Mm-hmm. Everything shut down. And I've got mm-hmm. my own opinions about COVID and the shutdowns and things like that. But um, we, we, have been, we have been well played in a lot of ways by a whole lot of organizations and people and elected officials. But that's part of it, too. It all, it all fits in with the you know, what can we do to stop this from happening or that from happening? How can we keep people from seeing their, their loved ones in the hospital or nursing homes? You know, how can we, how can, what, what, what right, what other rights can we limit or take away? What can we do as the hands just keep getting closer and closer and closer on the throat of, of Americans? Yeah. So. So many people died without their loved ones by their side. Um, the same people that were telling us that we couldn't go to our grandmother's funeral were all in the thousands at this televised funeral. And, um, you know, people don't question that. They just kind of accept what is the narrative and they take it as is. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's a very dangerous thing to do. And right now is definitely the time to pray for discernment and to pray for guidance and um, really understand where to put our trust in. But obviously the the one person that never fails is the Lord. And we should never, the narrative should never be enough for anybody. We should always want to check things out, confirm what's being said or done. You know, um, the Surgeon General back in March, back in February said, folks, we need the PPE for medical officials. It doesn't work for anybody else. Yeah. Well, that was the very first thing said, and, and this was the Surgeon General who has access to World Health Organization, CDC information, all the health, you know, National Institutes of Health, all the health information out there. So if you're the Surgeon General of the United States, why do we say something like that? And then how many times has the CDC changed its own guidelines on wearing a mask? Yeah. I noticed that. So who who do we believe? Who do we trust? Mm-hmm. And you know, some some states, the governors continue to, to push this, which is, you know, we got to keep doing this until there is a vaccine. And that's where Bill I, Gates comes in. I've got a real concern <laughs> with, with vaccines that are pushed that fast. Yeah. And human trials. And where's the animal trials so far on the coronavirus vaccine? Have you seen any? No. They went straight to human. When's the last time that's happened? Right. And we've had vaccinations for the flu for how many years? Mm-hmm. You know, and and we still have to have, and have you heard anything about the flu in the last couple of months? You know, some people just have been pushing that. So there's definitely a narrative. And Christian, Christians have got to discern, and, you know, wise the servants and generals, the generals of the word says, we've got to be watching what's going on. And he also, you know, Jesus also said, you know, when you see these things happening, no time the end is near. Um, he said because of lawlessness the love of men will grow cold. And I keep thinking about this aspect to it. If persecution really comes in like we're seeing it and, and they're doing some crazy things in cities from walling them up you know to burning police stations 
Uh, I saw the news yesterday that a court had somebody had thrown an explosive device, an incendiary device, into a courthouse, and you know there was a fire and damage with it. They are going in to police stations, call for defunding the police, and yet they really don't have. You know, Minneapolis did that. Well, who? What did they? What was their plan before defund the police? They still don't know what they're doing or have any ideas. And Christians had better be discerning what's going on because that lawlessness that we're seeing will result in persecution against the church. Um, how many states now have had churches where the, their statues of Jesus have been beheaded? Uh, spray yes. painting on, yeah, yeah, Massachusetts has had several. Churches are being spray painted. Uh, churches that have had to have people come and guard their, their buildings at night, you know. Uh, so those things are coming, and, this, and what we're seeing is just you know, Minneapolis, Seattle, Portland, all these things, they are just the the first event. They are just the things that are are going to start and going to keep coming. And whatever's coming is going to be much worse. And the yeah. church needs to be aware, aware of it and be ready for it. And understand that if we do what we're supposed to do, it's probably going to bring more persecution. You know? Yes, please. Thank you. Yes, thank you. No problem. Appreciate that. No problem. It's Jeez. sort of like we're damned if we do and we're damned if we don't. It's, it's not even a catch-22 situation. Like I said, Jesus said, through many trials and tribulations you will enter the kingdom of heaven. Nowhere did he say it would be easy. And in the last 20 years we've had a, we've had a health and wealth gospel. D.R. McConnell wrote a great book called a different, a different Gospel. And it took much of the health and wealth, name it, claim it, blab it, grab it type idea, that you know that God should write us a check. You know, we should, we're God's people, we should be blessed, we should have the best house, the best car, the best this, the best that. And, and that message is so, it is, it, is, it is diametrically opposed to what the Bible actually says. Uh, it's, it's, it's diametrically opposed to the servanthood of who Jesus is. Galatians, in Galatians, Paul said, you know, when I came to preach to you folks, I was sick. And and he, and he says, some of you would have given me your own eyes if you could have. So obviously I, there was something going on with Paul. But a lot of folks don't want to deal with that. We don't want to talk about suffering with Christ because, well, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't bring viewers or donations for, you know, for whatever. The um, prosperity gospel. Yeah, yeah, the prosperity gospel has ruined some believers. And what will the prosperity gospel, the real proof of the prosperity gospel's failure will be when persecution comes. Exactly. Or when sickness or illness comes. And, you know, I'm a type 1 diabetic. I've been a diabetic since I was 23. Um, I've had it for almost almost 30 years now. Uh, my brother uh, had it from the time he was, he was 9 years old, mm-hmm. uh, had a pancreas transplant, had to get another one, died when he was 48, did his funeral a couple of years ago. Um, I'm in the upper 5% of healthy diabetic, diabetics for my age. My eyes are in decent shape. Uh, I should have kidney issues and things. I actually wear a Dexcom G6. It's a, a glucose monitoring system attached to my phone. But, you know, I don't blame God for that. God allowed it. He didn't give me diabetes. He allowed it. But he also gives me the grace that I need to live with it and, and, and work with it. In the last couple of days, driving 14 hours a day, uh, two-hour time difference, yeah. you know, all, all those things, they change with you. But if God never allows any hard, difficult, or potentially destructive thing to happen in our lives, where do we learn to trust? 
we're, what, what builds our faith then? If everything yeah. is just easy, exactly, it's not faith. Faith mm-hmm. requires me to say, okay, God, I'm struggling with something. I need your help. Right. And God then works in our, in our lives to show us how to do that. And so even in the yeah. things that are coming, um, we're, we're going to see very, very easy, and, and, the, and the Gospels talk about the separation of the sheep and the goats. Um, persecution is going, to, is going to separate, you know, the real from the unreal. Um, and once again, when Jesus said, because of, the, because of lawlessness, the love of many will grow cold, I can see it coming with it, with, you know, where the gun's put to your head or the sword's to your neck. Are you a Christian? Are you a believer? You know, I hadn't signed up for this. I know, you know, I went to church and that's all I needed. Uh, and yet there are people in, in, in Nigeria, they're calling it genocide right now, believers. Uh, in North Korea, so many Christians in prison. Uh, Christians who you know can't even meet in public, can't be a Christian in Muslim countries, um, can't have a Bible. You know, it's, it's a death. It's a death sentence. When folks get saved in those countries, they have to move or leave their area. The family rejects them, and Jeez. and yet the hardest thing for us here sometimes in America is you know we might get ridiculed in the newspapers or somebody might mm. you know tell us yeah. to stop talking about Jesus or whatever. So we haven't seen we haven't seen anything yet, and that that, mm. that another that. That's my biggest concern for the church right now. Yeah, is that they're not ready and they don't want to be ready. And the and the false teaching, the false prophecies continue to be out there that God's just going to bless everything and it's going to be okay. And and I don't know what Bible they're using. You know? <laughs> yeah. But you uh, um, you were mentioning uh, strange. You were saying about uh, like certain areas are now you get fined if you. Uh, if you're in the church or if you uh, sing in church or something, right? You were talking about that with me? Well, in California. In California, where if you sing now into a church, you're going to get <laughs> fined. And that just struck me. I was like, wow, this is, it's really coming now. It's, it's like, yeah. this is where this is all happening. And it just, uh, it's so if you frustrating. you saw the interview with uh, Dr. Fauci was in a congressional interview. I, and, I saw that. And Representative Jordan. Yes. Try to get him to literally say, "Are protests causing this?" And you never got a full answer. And so they're allowing protests that they say they have no, they can't do anything about. We've got enough riot control, state police officers, federal agents that could come in and do that. But nobody, even the, the governors and the mayors, want to say that these things are causing anything. And the governors and mayors have become a part of some of those things, yeah. which just shows you the absolute. I don't know how I can say this, but it shows you the absolute insanity. Nobody, nobody seems to care about who gets it unless it's, the, you know, if they got a church, they got it here, wherever. Restaurants are shutting down. People are losing their jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, we're about to see a huge wave of suicides because of that, and they're, and they're pretty much yes, bad, that know. is happening. Uh, you're the one that I, I heard this from, and mm. really, when you think about it, it's not very difficult to envision because a lot of people. Like you said, they're just not ready, and they're going to want to um, opt for that out because they just don't know what else. They don't have and faith. They, yeah. they don't have faith, and, and maybe they have some, but they're just, you know, not ready, Yeah. like, yeah. like you said. And, and by the way, he, he referred to me as strange because the show is called Strange Sorry, sorry. Uh, show. Okay, okay, <laughs> sure. okay, 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 gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, okay. Mary, yeah I, I, I looked at him, and he was like, <laughs> so I was like, Sorry. okay, no, but this this is this is a more 
real interview with okay. them. You know, a lot of the times we can get very um, comical and we have a good sense okay. of humor about sure. it. But, you know, this is definitely um, yeah. as something very different and um, very, very important. But I want to go ahead and talk a little bit about one of the latest dreams that you had which was um, where you're warning us about the many suicides that will happen and how you saw dark entities basically getting ready for battle against us. It appeared to me in the dream to be like sleeper cells, like we think of terrorist sleeper cells being alerted. It, it was demonic terrorist cells, speak, de- demonic um, sleeper cells that were being awakened. They were putting on armor, they were sharpening swords, they were... Uh, it was almost like I'm, I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan. Tolkien's yeah. a big fan. Yeah, I'm a big fan. And like the 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 Urkai who were putting on the armor and the, and and you know going out toward a march. That's what it seemed to be to me in these dreams. Um, and significant was uh, I was at my mom's house in Jacksonville, Indiana. I preached that Sunday at my home church uh, and brought my daughter here to see my mom before we moved out here to Phoenix. We moved over to Phoenix. And there was an old slaughterhouse I used to go by on my motorcycle and bicycle out in the woods and, and they had hills and, and, tra- and motocross tracks and things. And I just kind of walked down there and was looking at it. was all overgrown and grass everywhere and tall weeds and had it been in non-use for probably 15 or 20 years. And that night, in my dream, I started off walking down there and I saw the calendar go. It faded from July into August, September, October, November, December. I saw all those months. I saw them highlighted. But I saw it fade from July into, into August. And I'm walking down by the slaughterhouse, and suddenly I see smoke begin to come out of like, the stacks. And, and I saw movement, and the grass begins to move. And it was just then I was like seeing inside the building. And I was seeing these, these sleeping demons who were suddenly becoming, coming alive, coming awake. And they were uh, putting armor on. They were looking at swords. They were like pounding each other's chest like they were going out to war battle, you know, mm-hmm. almost like that band of brothers thing. Mm-hmm. And then I realized it was happening all over the nation. It wasn't just there at this slaughterhouse near my old aunt's, old, my old aunt's house because she worked there for years. Um, and then I began to see the spirits of lust and pornography being just unleashed on Christian men, especially pastors, leaders, uh, ministers. I saw Christian marriage under absolute attack from the same things. Uh, and I was actually contacted by somebody, a lady minister back in Kentucky, who said, "You know what? Women are done with these sort of things today, so too. So we need, I, she wants to talk to me this next week about that." But there was just a there was an attack on marriage, the purity of marriage, you know, as the way the Bible defines it. Mm-hmm. And then I saw a wave of suicides, including Christian leaders. I didn't see names, mm-hmm. but I saw headlines. And I, the two things I see are the, the calendar, months, and dates, and I see headlines. Mm-hmm. And I saw, you know pastor commit suicide, leaders commit suicide. I saw a huge wave of suicide. And I was seeing news reports where people were saying because of because of evictions, because of COVID shutdowns, because of people losing their jobs, because of the of the stimulus packages going away, because of financial difficulty, we have seen it we are seeing waves and waves of suicides like we've never seen before. And and then at the very end of that dream there's been a prominent figure in white that would say, like, brace yourself, brace yourself. But this time he said, brace yourself. Brace yourself. Brace yourself. And the emphasis was on brace. 
hold on. And 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 the other times I, I heard brace yourself, I, I imagine myself with my, my, my right foot back, leaning into something almost like a football player ready to get hit. But you mm-hmm. lean forward, you brace yourself, so mm-hmm. whatever's coming, it doesn't knock you down mm-hmm. to the ground. This time, when I heard brace yourself, it was like hold on to something too. Don't just lean into it because the things that are coming. Uh, but it, it was a it was a wave of suicide, and just since I, I, I posted that on Sunday afternoon, coming back from Indiana, uh, I know uh, some several psychology magazines have come out with something about they're anticipating a wave of suicides. Uh, I posted something from uh, Zero Hedge on, on my Facebook page the other day, where they're seeing a wave of police suicides. Yes, you know, are. and. So, once again, I think God's trying to wake the church up and say, these things will be a part of us if we're not careful. And the other thing I keep being, t- I, people will say, well, how much of these things can we pray against and they not happen? Uh, a lot of, a lot of the, the, in the prophetic world, the ones that have been the most upset with me um, about, well, so you're saying these things and nobody else is saying them, you, you know, say the right things, the positive things, the good things. I had a dream. I have, I've had several dreams. You know, God showed me things that I've seen happen in one, and now in a third one, that third one with the coins, I saw the coin shortage, I saw the ones and fives, those things were happening. And so when I see things about suicides, especially among Christian leaders and pastors, because if those things get a hold of people, it, it does nothing but corrupt hearts and minds. It's going to destroy marriages and families. And, and I would even say in this interview, to pastors and Christians who are caught up in these things, find someone you can confess those sins to, begin to deal with it. Don't do it on your own. You need help. You need accountability. <clears throat> do that because there's going to be ministers and missionaries and pastors who are going to be found out and discovered, and it's going to ruin their lives. And if they would just go to the Lord and confess and find yeah. others they can share with and talk about, um, every church movement has a... Has, has, has a way to help people. There's, there's Christian ministers out there that will deal with Christians and pastors who are struggling in those areas. And, and I've had several emails from people saying, hey, I struggle with this and this, will you pray for me? Yes, but you need to find someone where you live that you can talk to. Yeah. And you know, I've got a group of guys I pray with. Every, every Sunday afternoon, I send a list of the things that I struggle with in my family, in my, in my day, in my daily life, so the whole week. They, so they know what my, my, my temptations are, my frustrations, the victories, the great things, the good things about my week, about my family, about the church. And I send them to a presbyter that I, that I, that I serve under. I send them to two good friends of mine, I send two board members of my church, a former board member I worked with back in Indiana, and one of my best friends in the world. And I know that for the next week, I've got six guys that are praying for me. And so if I, if I struggle with something, I can say, hey guys, this week I've struggled with this, this, and this. Will you please pray? Mm-hmm. And I know I've got people who are praying for me. And you know, in James chapter 5, it says, you know, confess your sins. Well, that's also the part, but it starts off with, if any among you is sick, let him call the elders. You know? And it talks about the, you know, the prayer of faith, raise the sick, this and that. But James says, confess your sins one to another. And we don't want yeah. to talk about that in the church for because, well, that's, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's that false gospel. That's that, mm-hmm. you know, you can, you're strong enough on your own. I'm not strong enough. I need men who can speak into my life and encourage me, who I can say, guys, I'm weak right now in this area. Or I'm, I want to take that one guy that goes to my church and just strangle him, you know, because, <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and pastors have those moments, those, those moments and those emotions because we're, we're human. We're, mm-hmm. We deal with the, we deal with the reality of life. Yeah. We, we walk in that ebb and flow of living, and, and we get frustrated from time to time. But 
if the church would be accountable, if, if, if every Christian would be accountable for what they're struggling with and dealing with, God can will raise up men and women beside them who will help them. And uh, yeah, that becomes a very important thing, you know. Yep. And and with that uh, dream, the one of the last ones you had, you said that you you were asking or you began to pray, and then other people started praying, and you saw them all kind of praying like little ants and filling. Yeah. Um, it took. They kind of took the shape of the United States of America, yeah. and then you felt yourself weightless, like you began to rise, yeah. and levitate. And in that dream, I was in my in my office, and I saw a calendar. I saw September. I saw September was pulled off of the off of the calendar on the wall, and then there's a secret place prayer room we have in our church, and we have an altar in there. Oh, what is it? Have some it? pictures. I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. There's two horned altars in the the brazen altar where animals were sacrificed. There was another horn. There was another horned altar where uh, they had fragrance and incense, and it was a place of worship. Yeah. And so our altar has four horns, and so literally you kneel, you reach up, and you grab hold of the horns of the altar, oh, which is a biblical concept. And every morning I start my day there, and it's just me saying, God, I need you to hold on to my life today, or whatever. And I can, it, but there's just some assurance and peace, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's in our secret place prayer room. I saw the calendar, and it, it landed right at the foot of the altar. And I heard a voice say, stand on, the altar, stand on September, begin to pray. So I stood on September, began to pray. Uh, and I was told to pray for three specific things. First of all was that uh, the church would have a stronger backbone. Second of all, that corruption would be exposed in the church. And number three, that we'd see a great harvest. So I began, I'm standing on September, I began to pray. These are all great things, too. Mm-hmm, yeah, and, and 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 that's what I heard. So I stand. On, I begin to pray, and I heard the voice again. You're not enough. Get others. Call. So I began to say, please come help pray. Mm-hmm. Please, somebody, everybody, listen up. I'm, I'm yelling. Not, I'm not screaming. Just yelling. Folks, we need help. Come on, we're supposed to pray. Here's what we prayed for. So people begin to pray, and and suddenly I see that the calendar begins to expand. It's bigger. There's a lot of white space, and I'm stepping. I'm standing on Tuesday, September first. And the calendar gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And finally the voice says, you're not enough. Pray for more. Call for more help. So all of us begin to do Please come. Please pray. We need to pray. Come on, folks. You know, everything we can imagine. And then I'm seeing people. Um, it, the, 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 the calendar has gone the contours of the United States. I'm stepping somewhere over uh, Idaho or, or Washington State. <laughs> and uh, we're praying hard. I see people praying in tongues. I see people praying in English. I see people who are, are kneeling on their, their Prostrate. I see people praying quietly. I see every model of prayer that you can imagine. Uh, if if it's a way that people pray, it's being done. And more and more people are there, and and the and the and the, the, the white space on the counter is starting to fill up with people. And and then I'm kind of lifted up in the air, I look down, and I see a finger, and it writes the words a solemn. In front of September and assembly afterwards. So I'm looking at the words a solemn September assembly. And so then I'm back on the ground, and people are praying, and suddenly there's an incredible amount of warfare going on in the heavens. Mm-hmm. Demons, angels, uh, the sound of swords clashing. Wow. This, you know, something out of like a Frank Peretti novel, if you remember that, that, if you're familiar with that guy about the late 80s, early 90s. Um, but I'm also on the ground watching fire and storms come up around the confines, uh, the contours of the United States of America. 
I'm seeing little fires starting all throughout the country in specific spots. And I realize that's the fire of revival, but there's also fires of contention and persecution opposition. And then I'm realizing that this, this, there's spiritual warfare, unprecedented spiritual warfare going on. I see people that are praying that are bruised. I see people that are kneeling. I see people that are that are having to go down the ground, almost prostrate because they're so tired and exhausted. I see people helping others up to pray. I mean, I'm just seeing the battle, the, battle, the darkness, the clouds, the fire, the storms are just getting harder and harder and harder. The intensity in heaven is getting more and more intense. And so all these incredible things are happening. People are getting tired. People are just leaning down. And finally, it's like the clouds kind of pass. And I realized we prayed all the way to the end of September. People are exhausted, but they're standing up and they're lifting their hands. They're just thankful. They're high-fiving each other. They're, and I, it was black and white beside each other, men and women, young and old. It was everybody praying together. And then I saw the heavens opened, and Jesus was standing there with angels behind him. And he said, Arise, my bride, arise, my bride, arise, my bride, and prepare to pray. Arise, my bride, arise, my bride, arise, my bride. And prepare for battle. And then finally, arise my bride, arise my bride, arise my bride. For I'm, I'm coming soon, and my reward is with me. Prepare to see my face. For I'm coming soon, and my reward is with me. And then it was like, it was the sound of a thousand shofars going off. And in the dream, I could feel the wind. There's no hair to blow on my head, but I could feel, <laughs> I could feel the wind yeah. of these shofars just blowing. And suddenly I woke up, and it was this incredible peaceful feeling I've ever had. It wasn't the 180 heartbeats on my Fitbit. It was just peace. And and, and I, because calling not just for one day in September, but for the church to pray because persecution is... You know, he said, prepare to pray. In other words, whatever our prayer life is right now needs to be ramped up a hundredfold. It needs to be better. It needs to be stronger. Our time in the Word, our devotional life needs to be better because whatever's going to happen, whatever's coming. And he said, prepare for prayer prepare to pray, and prepare for battle. So there, there's something specifically about September that's coming that the church has to get ready for. And he also said, you know, prepare to see my face. And, and I've had a lot of folks say, well, does, does that mean the rapture happens in, in you know, October 1st and all these things? I'm a, pre-trib, rap-trib, I'm a pre-trib rapture believer. I don't know where the tribulation fits into what I saw. Uh, I don't believe that we're going to just get by without any opposition before it comes at all. Mm-hmm. But if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But the most important thing is that we need to be ready for Jesus whenever he comes. And uh, I think it's really awesome that, uh, let's say, um, like I, I doubt that you are wrong, but I, I, if somehow, let's say, you, um, it becomes where it's, it doesn't happen... What you taught everyone is to be faithful more, to have faith, and to pray more, and to love God more. And I think that's what uh, it's kind of like. Um, so even if like they're like, "Oh, nothing happened," well, the good that came out of it is that you got you got on your knees and you prayed maybe for your first time, and you and you and you loved Jesus, and you and you just kind of like you came together. And with maybe him. nothing much happened because of the prayer. Yeah, maybe that's what he. You know, he. But I, I definitely believe we'll see something. Yeah, no, I, I believe it too because there's definitely is. going to be um, something going on, and I think um, I'm mm-hmm. compelled to say this that Uh-oh. in September there's also the trials of Hillary Clinton. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So. And the pedophiles are going to be revealed, and there's a lot that's going to be revealed. There, There is great potential for a lot to be revealed. Right. Yep. So um, I think the, the most important thing is to just um, pray for discernment and definitely pray and pray and yeah um, I don't know what one can say to those who don't believe but um, all you got to do is just um, hold on hold on and you know getting back to the the brace yourself I I was just thinking as you were mentioning that that you know we uh, it could be possibly brace yourself uh, for the big earthquake possibly that's another thing that I was thinking that while you were saying that brace yourself because you know when something like that happens then oh there's there's a there's a shaking, yeah, it, shaking. something can shake the yeah heaven, maybe something the into that that's, effect that's a possibility as well but, you know, know. and in November um, after I saw your video I think it was weeks later scientists um, came out saying that a comet will come close to Earth in November. <laughs> and I thought, oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, I've heard that about a thousand times. Too, I, yeah. so. Really? Yeah. You have, and after you made your After video, I made right? the statement, I've had people just in the last couple of weeks that will send me information is about the coins or anything else related to the dreams I had. I'm hearing from somebody somewhere. Did you hear this? Did you see this? Did you, you know? Mm-hmm. So I've heard about the comet. I've heard about. Uh, the, the empty White House and those sort of things and what the what that could mean. And the everything. empty White House? I, I saw a leaderless Washington, D.C., an empty White House. And so people are trying to figure out, you know, well, did Trump win, did Trump lose? Um, I've had a lot of folks want to know, well, who did I vote for and, you know, what do I think? And no matter no matter who wins in November, our Trump, President Trump will be president until January. It's an inauguration day. It's been that way for right. Right. You know, over 200 years. Yeah. Um, but I, I saw things that basically the White House was empty, and I saw things that basically meant that there was no one in charge. It was a leaderless Washington. You know, what does that mean? What does it look like? Um, and so everybody's got some opinion. Everybody's got some idea about, well, I think this means that, and I've heard every potential possibility you can imagine. I know who the Antichrist is now. Specifically, I've been told who it is about 150 times, so, you know, Obama. No, I, won't, I won't say it on this interview, but I, <laughs> nah, you know, and I've been given about seventy-five different names of yeah, people yeah. and leaders. It's just funny, but and I also realize that how how dogmatic some people are about their, you know, their their position. Because I've had folks call, I like your dream, but are, you know, do you do you are you King James only? Okay, well that tells me what your 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 thoughts are, your background, or you know, well, I, here's what you here's what your here's the seals that are opening with your dream. And I mean, I've heard all sorts of, I've heard crazy things, I've heard sound things, I've heard things. I think, man, I think this person needs to get some counsel, right, some right, help because yeah. this is not in the Bible. But I have people who are are so gentle and kind just to say Pat this is what I think is going to happen and here's how this plays and what you saw in the this, this senior dream this is what that means mm-hmm. I'm a pastor had a dream mm-hmm. I pastored a church with 80 people in the middle of nowhere in Kentucky and God gave me a dream to wake people up mm-hmm. and I, I made some suggestions about preparation and things like that which 
I believe were, were important. It wasn't based on fear. But I don't know exactly what's coming, but I know something yeah. big is coming. And it resonated mm-hmm. with thousands and thousands yeah. and thousands of people. And so I, I want this church to get ready. I want people to get their spiritual walk with the Lord where it needs to be. I want people to, you know, be light and salt for the Lord and, and uh, give the world an opportunity to see what the church really should look like and how beautiful that bride should be. And that's another thing about that last dream, one of the last dreams I had. He said, Arise, my bride. He was talking to the church. He was saying, Get ready. He was saying, These things are coming, but you're going to see my face too. So uh, that's, that's what I want the church to, to hear. To see his face, you know. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to that as well, in a sense, you know. Thank yeah. you so much, Pastor yeah. Dana. Thank you for being here and for sharing. Everything you that so you have, um, I know that I am grateful for it. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I these are just very unprecedented times. I, I don't like saying that because everyone is saying those words. But definitely challenging times. We've never had a type of uh, pandemic like the one we've had now. And certainly... Um, there is uh, there are a lot of uh, chess game pieces at play here. That's definite. Yeah. But um, thank you so much, Pastor Dana, and I pray for everyone. Yeah. That do they... you want to end with a prayer? Would it be okay for you, you to do the honors? Thank you, you so bet. much, Pastor. Lord, I want to thank you that you speak to your people, and for anyone looking for you, seriously trying to find out if you exist. I'm grateful that you reveal yourself, and I pray for the for those that are lost that have never, never encountered you, Jesus, in a, in a personal, private way. I ask that as they seek your face, you'll reveal yourself to them. And Lord, for the believers that are watching this, I ask you to encourage them to confess their sins, to be accountable, to begin to live their lives the way that, that they need to, Lord, lives that bring you glory and honor. Uh, Lord, lives that will turn against the shame and the fear that might be controlling them. I, I pray for strength. I pray for Christian marriages. I pray for pastors. I pray for people who are about to be hit with some things that they've never experienced before or thought would happen. I pray, God, you strengthen the church in powerful ways because we need to be your example and your witness. The world is watching us. Mm-hmm. The world's watching who we are, how we live, how we talk, how we treat our wives and our kids, how we how we listen, how we serve. So, Lord. Help us to shine for you because we know that one day soon you will be coming back. And you're, you're coming back for your bride. So help us to stay ready and give you glory and honor in everything we say and do until you come. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Wow, I felt so much peace with that, yeah, I have to tell beautiful. you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I know it can be um, a little overwhelming. I know it can be. But... Um, Mm-hmm. We it, it's necessary, and the emotion is real. The emotion mm-hmm. is real, and and that's where God is, because God is truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. As uncomfortable as it may feel sometimes, you know, the breakdown always leads to the breakthrough, yes. and, and that's why yep. we got to be strong, and that's why we have to brace ourselves, as you say. And that's why you have to listen to the Strange Chameleon Show. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was a joke. You yeah, really no, talk, I'm just But kidding. we really do hope that we really, you uh, listen to to this uh, wonderful interview. Yes. Even if you don't listen to any other interview of ours. This it, is very important. This Please is the, listen. the important one. Thank yes. you so much. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you.